0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. All right, so we're in a new series called That'll Preach. Somebody say that'll preach. Okay, the whole idea behind this is we're gonna take clips from movies, inspirational clips from movies, in order to bring the word of the Lord to you. How many people have ever been to the movies and seen a scene or watched a movie that has so impacted you, you're like, I just felt like I was in church in a movie theater. What happens a lot to Jürgen and I, Pastor Jürgen is a very aggressive movie watcher. If you've ever seen him in church and you see how how passionate he is, um, that translates to every part of his life. It's not just in church, it's who he is. So we can be going to a movie and he will, like, no word of a lie, stand up and give it a standing ovation, clap loudly, shout amen, cry, like, just all the things, and people either love it or they hate it, but the truth is, movies and television shows, some of them are divinely inspired by the Lord, and they move us, and they should, because the Bible says, if you don't praise me, I will make the rocks cry out. And sometimes the things that we may say are maybe dead and lifeless or or superfluous, God uses to bring a message. So today I want to show you a clip. It's from the movie Rocky Balboa. Now, I was strategic here because I thought I'm speaking to a mixed crowd. They often put me up in front of the ladies, which I love. But when I speak in front of a mixed crowd, I want to make sure I bring something that the men are really going to love. Because what I know about women is they will quite happily invade male spaces. Like, we're we're up for anything. But the guys, it's like, they will not invade a female space. So I'm like, all right, how do I get the message to the crowd? It's got to be a man movie. So Rocky Balboa, you're welcome, fellas. I've got a scene from this movie, and I'm going to just use it to springboard and bring the word of the Lord to you today. But take it away, the prophet Rocky Balboa. I'm sure it's going to work. The guys up the back are working their magic. How are we going, guys? Give me a thumbs up, thumbs down. This is actually a really powerful scene, (laughs) Okay. I'm going to let them work on that, and we're going to keep going. Oh, I could. I can't see. Where's Jürgen when I need him? You're Adrian. (laughs) How's that? Now, the whole premise of the clip that I'm believing we will see shortly is this. He's having a conversation with his son, ironically, Robert Jr., and he, he's talking to him. He's like, when you were born, I, I could hold you in my hand. And, and we knew that nothing was impossible. And you're, you're a good boy. And you took life you know, by, the, by the throat. And you lived it well. And then he said, but then something happened to you. And, you, and life hit you. And you forgot who you were. When you started to blame people around you and make excuses, I said, and I want to tell you it's not how hard you hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, right? That's what he said. So the whole premise of the clip that I wanted to show you was it's not how hard you hit, my friends. Some of you, you may not be physically strong. You may not feel like you're beast beast mode, hashtag, you know, killing the game. But it's not how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit in this life and keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. So I want to bring a message to you called The Choices of Champions. And really, if I had to distill this message down, it's about resilience. It's about resilience. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, a righteous person can get struck down seven times. I wanna take a second to just, to just breathe into that. Because some of you think today, and I know some of you are here and you're literally on the mat because life has hit you hard. And I wish it didn't. And I'm sorry that we have to live on the broken side of eternity. But if that's you today, I want you to know, the Bible doesn't say that a wicked man stumbles. It says, but a righteous man may fall. A righteous man may fall, and maybe you're here today and you've been thinking, what's wrong with me? Why is my life hard? Why am I on the mat? It doesn't mean you're not righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, the psalmist writes. But the Lord will deliver them out of it all. The righteous man or woman may fall seven times, but what's the difference between them and the wicked? They get back up again. You're going to make it, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. The choices of champions. So, so I wanna, what I want to do today in the next 30 minutes or so that we have to de- together is intertwine the story of Rocky, that wonderful clip that we got a mime of, and I want to intertwine it with the story of Joseph. Because when I think of a a champion in the Bible, I cannot go past the latter story in the book of Genesis about a man called Joseph. And Joseph, if you don't know his story, that's your homework. You have to go and read about this man in the Bible who was a hero and a champion, but life hit him hard. He was born into a family of privilege. He was privileged. He was the one of the youngest, most favourite son of his father, Israel, formerly known as Jacob. And, and Israel, he wasn't a smart dad. He had two wives and a couple of com- concubines, but I'm not here to judge, I'm not here to judge. He had two wives, a couple of concubines, and Joseph was the favoured son of his favourite wife. Wow. Now, now word, word to the wise. Yeah. If you're going to have two wives, don't have a flipping favourite. LAUGHTER You were already asking for trouble, weren't you having to? And if you're going to have a whole bunch of sons, don't. Again, if you have a favorite, don't give him a rainbow coat. (laughs) So if the brothers maybe thought in their head for a second, we think Joseph's the favorite, his dad made it blatantly clear by giving him a coat the color of a rainbow. So, So everybody knew. So his brothers, understandably, were very, very jealous. And there there came an opportune time for them to take care of their little snot-nosed brother who did nothing, they seemed, all day except tattletale on them while they were out working their tails off in the fields and got this epic designer coat given to him by their father. So the Bible says that one day Joseph's brothers plotted to kill him. They were going to kill him because they were so jealous. That's the spirit of this world. Someone with favor or blessing on them or privilege, instead of becoming like you, we're going to kill you, okay? So that's a lot of what we're dealing with in the world today. But then at the last minute, his eldest brother, Reuben, said, hey, hey, listen, let's not kill him, let's sell him. So they threw him into a pit and they were waiting to figure out what are we are going to do with him, and then some slave traders came by and they said, we're going to sell our brother, Joseph, our blood, our kin, our brethren, we're going to sell him into slavery, so this was one, uh, one of the first of many hits in Joseph's very young life. He was still a teenager at this point. He was taken to Egypt and sold into slavery. And he finds himself in the house of a man named Potiphar. And this is where I want to pick up the story and pick up the points on the choices of champions. The first point is this, write it down, press on. A champion presses on. Joseph got hit hard in life. But what I love about his story is that even though he was hit with immense suffering, he didn't lie down in the corner in the fetal position and and tattoo life sucks on on his forehead. He pressed on. And you may be in this room today, and maybe life has hit you hard. Again, if I can echo the words of Rocky Balboa, it's not how hard you hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. And and why do we press on? You might say, well, it's easy for you to say. Why, Why do we press on when life's hard? Why do we press on? Why, how, how can we press on when life is hard and life d- deals us some unfair blows? We can press on because God is with us. Yeah. You, you are not alone. Yeah. Look, at this, look at this particular scripture here in Genesis 39, verse 2. It said, the Lord was with Joseph. Somebody say, with Joseph. Now say, the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. Say it one more time. Beautiful, yes he is, amen to that. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. We press on, my friends, because God is with us. You are not alone. You are going to make it. You are going to make it, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. This is what 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8 says. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, and maybe today you're going through a season of suffering where life has hit you hard and you're perplexed and you don't understand why those seasons will come. But we are not in despair. We are hunted down, but we are never, underline this in your Bibles, we are never abandoned by God. We may get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Somebody say amen. Somebody needs to hear that today. And in fact, somebody needs to go home and they need to write on their mirror, press on on the mirror. If you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, don't stop, keep walking. Keep walking with God, press on. Do you know what I think is one of the most noble, virtuous things any human can do? is in a time of suffering and hardship, get up in the morning, yeah. shake themselves off, yeah. get dressed, have a shower, brush your teeth, and go to work. Yeah. Just, just keep going, yeah. just, just keep going. I think that is one of the most noble and virtuous things that a human can ever do. I get up every morning, oh, I'm glad yesterday was yesterday, yeah. but thank God I'm stepping into a new day, oh, and the Bible tells me, that his goodness and mercy will follow me everywhere I go. That every morning, God greets me with a fresh-baked batch of goodness and mercy. You know what one of the the best things you can do when you're going through a hard time, you've got some suffering, you've been hit with life? Go to bed. At nighttime. Get up in the morning, put a spring in your step. I'm not going to let the world tell me who I am and I'm not gonna let the world tell me I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna take one day at a time, and then at nighttime, I'm gonna go to bed. And I'm gonna do it all again, and then I'm gonna know the next day, God's mercy and his goodness are gonna greet me again. And God will do something supernatural to you in your sleep. It's like the great reset. And some of you have been suffering and struggling because life has hit you, and the devil has robbed you of your sleep. And even sleep has not helped you reset. And so it's like you wake up and you're exhausted from a night of tossing and turning because of anxiety and worry. That's why Jesus speaking in Matthew said to his disciples and the crowds, I don't want you to worry about tomorrow. You can't fix it. Tomorrow's coming and trust me, it has enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. You can't fix that. I want you to cast your cares upon me. Why? Because I care for you. You've been turning yourself inside out when life has hit you, worrying at night, and you haven't been able to sleep, and it's not God's portion for you. You know what he's saying to you today? I got this. If you can't fix it, trust that I am the only one that can. So some of you, before you go to bed, you ride out, all those worries and those anxieties you have, and then you entrust them to God. God, you've got this. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, your king, God, never sleeps nor slumbers. Do you know why that's a beautiful scripture? Because it means that you can. God never sleeps, so it means you can. You know what he's saying? He's standing at the edge of your bed. He's standing at the edge of your bed. He's pulling down the covers, He's patting the bed. Come on, lie down. I got the night watch. I got the night watch. It's all going to be okay. Don't you worry about tomorrow. We'll take care of that when it happens. But right now, all I need you to do is seize today. Just press on, just press on, press on. Amen, Leanne. Oh, I like that. I felt that Rocky Balboa spirit come on me right there. And, you know, something happens to us in the press. Something, something powerful happens. In a, in a place of pressing, that's where wine is produced. In a place of pressing, that's where olive oil is produced. The pressing that you're going through, the suffering, the struggle, the hits, when you press forward, it's going to produce something on the inside of you. Here's what the Bible tells us. It tells us this. It says, Blessed is the one, in James chapter 1, verse 12, who perseveres or presses on under trial. Because having stood the test, and listen to me, life will hold some tests. And I know we're in California where we only like good vibes and positive vibes. But here's God's honest truth as I stand here. I need to prepare you as a pastor because life will hit you. Life will be hard sometimes. I did a study in the Bible. Do you know that they talk about suffering in the Bible over 150 times in the New King James Version? 150 times. That's sad. But it's true. And if I want to prepare you for life, I need to let you know. But interestingly enough, some of the more modern translations don't talk as much about suffering. They've reduced it down to 50 times. So it is it any wonder that we have a generation of young people that fall apart when they suffer a hard time because we never train them for it. We're going to train you, and we're going to tell you, you can press on because God is with you. Just take one day at a time, cast your cares upon the Lord... Joseph could press on because God was with him. God is with you. And in this life, the book of Ecclesiastes tells us that we go through times and seasons. And if you read about those times and seasons, they're not all positive. Some of them are. A time to be born, that's a good day. Time to die, what? Time to embrace, ooh, sounds good. Time to refrain from embracing a time to plant, a time to pluck. I don't like being plucked, quite honestly. 50% of those seasons are negative, but God is with you through every single one of them and he's gonna bring you through. Sometimes all it takes is getting up in the morning, knowing God is with you, receiving your batch of fresh baked mercy and goodness, and walking through the day, and then putting your head on the pillow at the end of the night and saying, thank God I survived. I did it, I made it, we're gonna make it. Amen. Let me read this to you by Calvin Coolidge, who was a former US president. Nothing in the world can take the place of one who presses on. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. And that's what American Idol has shown us. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not, and this girl says a big amen to that, the world is full of educated derelicts. Very true. (laughs) Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. Our ability to press on has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. Press on, my friend. Press on. God is with you. God is for you. He's not against you. And let me tell you this. If your story is not good, it's not over. Yeah. The Bible says in Romans 8:28, "Now all things yeah. Somebody say all things. all things. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. So if it's not good yet, it's not over. So don't lay down in defeat when one page of your life story or one chapter or one season isn't going the way that you want it to go because your story's not finished yet. God is going to bring you through, but all it takes is you pressing on. It's not how hard you hit. It's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Somebody say amen. You're going to get there. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. I've been through some incredible trials in my life. And you know, it's been amazing to, as I think about it, and I look back, and I, I went into ministry at 17. I got married at 17, and then went straight into ministry. I didn't even know all the books of the Bible all the way through. But I had just such great expectations of what ministry would look like. But then I entered a Joseph season of persecution, like you would never know. And I I look back at that now and I'm almost grateful for it. No, I am grateful for it. Of course, it's disappointing that that people could be so unkind to one another and you're often shocked by human behavior. But I look back at that season of my life where there was suffering and I felt like I was being hit. And I'm like, God, when I pressed through, you produced something in me. I am the woman I am today in 2021. Because a 17-year-old girl in 1992 had to endure some hits in life, but I kept moving forward. I kept moving forward with God. I kept moving forward with God. I'm the pastor I am today because of what I suffered. And some of you think, well, God, how could you recycle anything out of that season of suffering? Just wait. Maybe what you're going through, it wasn't God's design for you. Life happens to us all. We live on the broken side of eternity. But what I want to tell you is that when you press through, when you press forward with God, he will, because he's not a man that he should lie, will make all things work together for good. When you look back and you're like, wow, how could good come out of that? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Press on. Amen. Point number two, choices of champions. Never forget who you are. I love what Rocky said to his son. He said, somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. Maybe today, life has hit you hard and it's changed you and not for the better. And you now look at the mirror of your soul and you don't like what you see. I want you to understand today that God is really good at locating missing persons. He doesn't even need to put your face on a milk bottle. He's got it. He He can locate you again, the real you again. But at the scene of every identity crime, every identity theft is the enemy lurking in the midst of that dark time to try to make you someone you're not. Somewhere along the line, you change. You stop being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for someone to blame like a big shadow. And don't we see this replayed across the earth today in millions of different forms? But what I love about Joseph, let's get back to Joseph. Joseph was a man of incredible godly character. He had everything launched at him. Excuse me. He had everything launched at him. He went through all kinds of persecution. And then he finds himself in Potiphar's house. And then the Bible says that there comes a day when Potiphar's wife, who was, she, was, she was a bit of all right, OK? She was attractive, <clears throat> someone of his noble stature. You know, didn't marry someone homely. He would have had the best looking wife in the land. And he was Joseph. He was a strapping young Hebrew. And Potiphar's wife, you know, she was, she was a seductress. And her husband was away traveling. And she sh- saw it as her opportunity to take advantage of this Hebrew, young Hebrew boy. But the Bible says when she approached Joseph and said, Joseph, come lie with me. She wasn't talking about just having a nap. She had nefarious (laughs) intentions. The Bible says that Joseph not only did not engage with her, he refused to even be in her presence. He refused to even be with her. And then when she tried again, unsuccessfully, he said, how could... I do this great wickedness and sin against God. This is not who I am. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not unfaithful. Life may have seemed unfaithful to me. I may have been betrayed, but I will not become a betrayer. You know one of the things? Yeah, one of the things that we see often in life is we become the perpetrators of the crimes that were inflicted upon us unless we press on with God. And right here, we see that Joseph, even during a season of great hardship, where people would have said to him, Joseph, you deserve her. God's forgotten you. Look at you here. You, were sold. you deserve this. If anyone deserved an excuse to behave badly, it probably would be Joseph. But he didn't let other people's bad behavior change who he was. I mean, this, this was stunning. And how, you know what's even more stunning? The fact that God could use a teenager in a situation of sexual temptation to prove to us all that we don't need to become the person that has hurt us or react badly or become someone we're not because life has dealt us an unfair hand. I mean, this is the irony. Joseph, a teenager, think about it. He would have had so much testosterone coursing through his body, he could have lit up a small city. And he's he's faced with a very beautiful woman offering him free sex with no recourse. She would have hidden it because it would have meant the loss of her life as well. And yet he refused to behave like someone he was not. When we're going through a hard time, I'm telling you, that's when the temptation is to become someone we're not. I've been there, trust me. Oh, wow, have I been there. I remember during this same season in New Zealand when I was suffering incredible persecution and, and hardship, going away with, with God, finding a quiet place and saying, oh, God, never let me forget how it feels to feel this pain and this rejection and this persecution. And, Lord, I never, ever let me do it to somebody else. Yeah. Never let this circumstance change me except for the fact that I will remember the heartache it caused and I will never do it to another. You can go through hard seasons without becoming hard. You can go through life's bitter seasons and not become bitter. You can even be victimized as Joseph was victimized, but not become a victim. You are a son, a daughter of the Most High God. Never forget who you are. Never let the devil steal your true identity. You're going to come through. You're going to, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. And the decisions that you make in the hard times of life, I wish what happened in Vegas would stay in Vegas, but it doesn't. And then you bring you out of that and you're like, oh, dang it, why? And every day people will, will tempt us to, to and give us opportunities to become someone we're not and behave badly. Don't take the bait. I mean, this season has been terrible for that. I mean, when I I even think about social media and the temptation to troll a troll is just so... uh, And I look at their little snarky comments and I'm like, I could destroy you with... I'm an excellent communicator and arguer and with my grasp of the English language, I could incinerate you. But that is not who I am. It's not who I am i 'm gracious i 'm nice. a gentle answer turns away wrath i don 't repay evil for evil i 've passed the test i 've passed the test, and every day you 're going to be presented with opportunities and tests where people will be triggering you and poking you quite often it 's your spouse. nobody can annoy you like your spouse. My gosh, I remember arguing with my husband in the beginning and it's amazing what's revealed in a test and a hard time. And I remember saying, I wasn't like this before I married you. You created this monster. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Leanne, nothing can come out except for what's already there. You just have never been bumped hard enough for that stuff to come out before. But now it's out, we'll deal with it. But never forget who you are. Amen. That is a great word indeed. There's another another passage about Joseph's life, and again, I really want you to read this story, Genesis 40, right through to the end. It, it's so powerful because it just it ticks every box of the afflictions and the persecutions that we will go through as people in life, and and for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit in the in the writing of the Bible did not let us into even if it was there, any. Any information that Joseph once blamed anybody, that he once complained about his lot, or that he, you know, he was some kind of a victim, that he once whined or complained or blamed. It's just not there. It's not there. He, he doesn't even give us an excuse. Like it's just not there. And in fact, the Bible talks, I believe it's, I believe it's in Psalm 150. It talks a little bit about Joseph's story in the Psalms, and it says they they bound his feet with shackles, and iron entered his soul. He went through a season of affliction, and it made him strong. I'm stronger. I am not going to ever let anyone change the person that I am. I know who I am. I am not Joseph the rapist. I am not Joseph the prisoner. I am not Joseph the slave. I am Joseph son of Israel, great-grandson of Abraham, the father of faith. Never forget who you are. And who are you? If you don't know, pick this book up. This is a mirror. The Bible tells us in the book of James that the word of God is a mirror. Look into it. It is your reflection. Life is going to hit you hard and it's going to try to change you. Don't let life change you. Don't let your circumstances change you. Remain the same. Press on with God and you will find that your circumstances will be the things that change. And that's exactly what happened for Joseph. But anyway, Joseph is in prison. Did I tell you that? He's in prison. He got accused of rape because Potiphar's wife did not handle well with rejection. She put a a false flag, hashtag me too, I got raped. Not true. And I think that Potiphar knew this as well. Potiphar knew this because if he truly... If he truly believed that Joseph had raped his wife, trust me, that boy would be dead. Oh, yeah. he, he wouldn't be living or breathing. But I think he knew my wife is one of the real housewives of the Old Testament. <laughs> she can't be trusted. But to save face, I'm going to just put Joseph in prison. But the Bible says, and the Lord, as, as Joseph pressed on, the Lord was with Joseph. Amazing. God is with you. You need to take that word today. And then when he was in Prison. He was thrown in there for a crime he didn't commit. And, and not just any old crime, you guys, accused of rape. Right. Yeah. Something as vile and vulgar as rape. He didn't just have a false ac- accusation. It was a shameful one. Right. So he's in prison. And the prisons in Egypt were not known for their three square meals a day and an hour and a half in the exercise yard. This was, this was hard yakka, as we would say in, stay in Australia. It was hard yakka. And, and even in prison. Joseph didn't let his circumstances change the man of virtue, character, and kindness that he was. He was kind. And that's a bit of a lost virtue, but the Bible says that love is kind. Kindness, I'm telling you, you could change San Diego if we were kind. We don't have to be false. We don't need to lie. But we can certainly be true and virtuous and honorable and kind. It's totally possible. I live my life by it. So look at this. Joseph has an interaction with two other prisoners. Pharaoh was having a bad day. He threw the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker all in the clink. <laughs> Actually, it was the baker and the sommelier, the wine taster. He, he was just having a bad day. I don't know what was going on, but both of those brothers ended up in prison with Joseph. And on the same night, they both had very disturbing and perplexing dreams. And it says in Genesis 40, six verses 8, this is all happening in prison. When Joseph saw them, that is, the baker and the wine taster, the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. All right, I just need to stop there for a second because this is a bigger bigger of a miracle that you will ever read in the Bible surmount to the feeding of the 5,000. The fact that you can be in prison, accused of rape falsely, and everything you must be feeling about the injustice of that moment and yet you notice when somebody else is upset? There ain't no way. This is not typical behavior, you guys. All you need to know is this, is you can tell a story about your hard life, and sure enough, there's someone next to you ready to pipe off, you ain't seen nothing. You think that's hard, let me tell you my life story. You got no reason to be frowning. You need to put a smile on your dial because you don't know what I've been through. And isn't that our world? Like, we compete for who is the most oppressed. The oppression Olympics. (laughs) But but right here, we see Joseph never stopped caring about other people. He was a nice person. The choices of champions. It's not your muscles. It's not how many hashtags you can hashtag about how beast mode you are. It's this. It's this. If you can be kind and care about others. And notice when somebody else... Doesn't have a smile on their face. He noticed they were upset. I mean, wow. I mean, I'm losing my marbles over that. That is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you look so worried today? He asked them. A nice guy, bad situation. Yeah. Nice guy, and they replied, "We both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean." Joseph said, "Interpreting dreams is God's business. Go ahead and tell me your dreams." This, this moves me so deeply, because if you know anything about the story of Joseph, his dream and the fact that he shared it with his brothers was got, what got him sold into slavery in the beginning. You'd think he'd hear, hear the word dream. <laughs> don't talk to me about dreams. <laughs> I'm having PTSD. Last time I heard the word dream, I got thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, and now don't talk. I don't want to interpret your dreams. I am living on nightmare. Wow, what a guy. Many of us have been hit in life, hit in life, and we're in a place of despair. But right here, Joseph is showing us that you can go through hard moments in life and not become hard. Life can be unkind to you, but you don't become unkind. Wow. He noticed, go ahead and tell me your dreams. Amen. And a bit later, we see a turnaround, and it's incredible because he interpreted the dream of the baker and the winemaker, and exactly what he said would happen, happened. One of them was hung, and the other one was sent back to Pharaoh. And upon the winemaker going back to Pharaoh, Joseph said to him, please, please remember me. Two years later, two freaking years later, wow. Thanks, winemaker. I spent two more years in prison. Again, we don't hear that he had a foul or stinky attitude. Then the Bible says that Pharaoh had a dream, a perplexing dream that he could not interpret. And finally, the winemaker wakes up, awakens. Oh, I know a guy. I know a guy. He's in prison. But I tell you what, he will be able to interpret your dream, Pharaoh. So the Bible says that Pharaoh sent for Joseph. But before Joseph came into the palace, Pharaoh's palace, the Bible says that he shaved off his beard and he took off his prison garb and then he presented himself to Pharaoh. Do you know why? Because he never forgot who he was. He may have been wearing prison garb and had one of those horrible millennial long beards that should never be worn by any man. But he's like, this is not, this, this was always just external residue of my circumstance. But that's not who I am. I have not forgotten who I am. And he stood before Pharaoh and he walked in there and he wasn't cynical and bitter. He may have been in prison, but he didn't act like a prisoner. He may have been victimized, but he did not act like a victim. Life may have been hard to him, but he did not become hard. He walked into his future not smelling of his past because he never forgot who he was. Who are you today? Who are you today? Maybe you need to take some time to remember who you were before the weight of the world crushed your spirit. That's who you are. And again, God is really good at finding missing people. And whatever the, de- the devil has stolen, because he's the identity thief, God can restore. Amen. And then the final thought is this. Choices of champions, always forgive. Always. You know what I've found in, in life? almost 30 years of pastoring, almost 30 years of marriage. Pastor Jürgen and I have been married 30 years this August 15th. Right? That we don't hold bitterness. Bitterness holds us. We don't hold unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is our prison. And if I I had to kind of distill down the dysfunction of every Christian who got bitter and twisted and decided they wanted to deconstruct the faith that built them, it would come down to the fact that they're just offended and they never forgave. Sometimes very legitimate offenses, yes, but they didn't release forgiveness. Joseph released forgiveness. I reckon, because the Bible tells us, that his brothers came before him. You've got to read the story. I've I've really not even done the story justice. So his brothers who sold him into slavery come back to Egypt. There's a famine in Israel. So they come to Egypt because Joseph is so smart. He was put as prime minister of the whole land. He was put in charge of the the building fund, food campaign of the entire nation because Joseph had interpreted Pharaoh's dream and and the dream was Egypt is gonna be thrust into a time of famine have seven years, seven fat years, the Bible says, and then seven lean years. And because God gave Joseph this word of discernment, because his heart was clear and he could hear from God, he started the greatest food campaign and he stored up all this food knowing that they're about to enter a season of seven years of famine. So the rest of the world was in massive impoverished famine. And then they're all looking at Egypt who are living their best lives, sipping cocktails out of coconuts. And they're like, we've got to go there and get some of this. So they turn up. Joseph's brothers, and of course they don't recognize him because now he's a prince of Egypt. He's the prime minister. And they stand before him and they come just as the dream that he'd had. This is just amazing. You've got to read the story. The dream that he had in the beginning was that he saw his brothers bowing before him. It happened. They came and they bowed before him and they were asking for food. A whole lot of things happened, but at the very end, when they realized it was their brother whom they had sold into slavery, the Bible says that they were terribly afraid. Because up until that point, if you were a ruler of that kind, you would use your power to exact justice and judgment on people that had hurt you. But in a beautiful, ironic twist of events, Joseph's brothers who meant him harm stood before him, and the Bible says that they were very, very scared. And Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Wow. Some of you need to get your butt out of God's throne, FYI. Because it'll burn your butt. You're, putting your, you're, putting your, you're standing in place of God, trying to exact justice. You can't, you can't, you get impossible task. As for you, what you attended against me for evil... God intended for good. Press on, press on, press on. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. How? False accusations, slavery, slander, what? Yes. In order to accomplish a day like this and to preserve the lives of many people. Therefore, do not be afraid, he said to his brothers who had sold him into slavery, abandoned him, being jealous of him. The Bible says they hated him. Do not be afraid. Wow. I will provide for you and your little ones. So Joseph reassured his brothers and spoke kindly. There's that word again again, to them. Joseph's Joseph's life had come full circle. Now, instead of being at the mercy of his brothers, his brothers were at the mercy of him. And what did he do? He didn't say off with their heads. He was everything that they weren't. Do not repay evil for evil. If your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat, the Bible says. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but by evil, But when evil happens to you, but overcome evil with good. Every day, forgive. A lot of us, a lot of us are in a prison of torment because someone has hurt us and it's legitimate. And I'm not trying to diminish what happened to you. I know we've got probably some very sorrowful stories in this room and I'm not trying to diminish your pain or say it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. Of course what happened to you matters and it mattered to God and he saw it. But he says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. It's not for you to repay. Joseph would have made a decision every day. In the hardest moments of his life, I will forgive my brothers. This wasn't just a feeling he had in the moment. It was a daily choice, I believe. That's why when Jesus speaking to his disciples in the book of Matthew, and they said to him, teacher, teach us how to pray. He gave us the perfect prayer. I think we have to have a revival of the Lord's Prayer. Pray it every day. If you don't know what to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Forgiveness is a daily choice. That's why God put it in the Lord's Prayer. You need bread every day. You need protection, but you need to forgive. Every day, my gosh, and life is going to hit you. I'm sorry. Life is going to hit you, but it's not how hard you hit. It's how hard you can get hit and keep forgiving and keep moving forward and keep pressing on with God and stop letting the world change who you are. You are a son or a daughter of God. God is with you. God is with you. Stand to your feet. Amen. you got to watch that clip at some point. Go watch the movie. It's so good. It's so good. I just want you to lift your hands to the Lord as we come to a close. And I just want to say this, that really the... The overarching thread throughout the story of Joseph is found in the sentence, and the Lord was with Joseph. And some of you are going through a hard season or you've just come out of one. And you need to remember that God is with you. God is with you. Don't forget he's there. The Bible says, I am a very present help In a time of trouble, Bette Midler sang, "God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance." Lies. God is not watching you from a distance. He is a very present. He's. He will. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You may be going through one of the negative seasons that Ecclesiastes talks about. Life may have hit you, but I will never leave you. You may be hunted down, but you will never be abandoned by God. Father, I thank you for your church, a church of strength, just as Joseph's feet were shackled with chains and that iron entered his soul. As we go through this season, it will be a season that strengthens us because we know that you're with us, Father, and we know that we can get through anything when you're with us. And I thank you that if our story is not yet good, it is not yet over. Our story is not finished yet. Father, bless your people this day. I pray for strength for the weary. Those who are weary today, Father, we speak refreshment. Those who are anxious today, we speak the peace of God. Those who are in despair today, we speak the joy of the Lord as your strength. Father, but more than anything that they know, you are with them. You are with them. You are a very present help. And if you're here and you've never given your life to the Lord and you're walking alone, because the Bible says God was with Joseph. But I want to ask you today, are you with God? Are you with God? He said, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. First thing you have to do is surrender. God, I'm, I'm yours. I'm going to give you my life. I don't want to live without you. God doesn't want to live without you. So if you've never given your life to the Lord, lift your hand up nice and high so I can pray for you. Nice and high. I know there's a couple of people here before we close, and you need to re-surrender your life to the Lord today. You need to say, God, I'm giving you my life back. I took it back at some point, but I'm giving it back to you. I see a hand here, beautiful, beautiful, wonderful. Praise God. There may be a couple of others, but let's just close in prayer. My friends have seen you as you've lifted your hands, and they're going to come give you a Bible and pray with you. But let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you right now for each person who raised their hands. Father, I thank you that you are going to meet them today. Father, as they they surrender their lives to you, and you wash away their past, forgive them of their sins as they receive salvation. Father, they would feel your presence so close. Father, especially in the times that are difficult and hard, that they would know that they are held in arms that are unbreakable and unshakable. Father, I thank you for your presence here today, for every life, every story. And today, if you're going through a hard time, I want you to know that the Lord sees, cast your cares upon the Lord. He's with you and you're gonna make it. It's not, it's not over, it ain't over. God's going to bring you through, and you're going to come out the other side, still standing, still praising God. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awaken Church, go to awakenchurch.com.